Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Scott Luton, Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Very good. It is the 1st of November. Can you believe that? It feels like the year, this year is sailing by, and October in particular went quickly, feels like. Well, um, so that's big news, but what's bigger news is I see you've got your Rock and Roll Express starter kit on your arm. What was, what was that again? <laughs> It's my, uh, that's actually a mask, but it really doubles nicely as, uh, right? <laughs> were you a <laughs> Well, we've established, wait a second, both of us were wrestling fans growing up. You remember Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson when the Rock and Roll Express? Well, so I grew up in the Midwest, so our <laughs> local wrestlers were a total different group. Yeah. But I think I've heard of Rock and Roll Express, yeah. Yeah, the world did, renowned. Did they do this thing? Oh, they yeah. had they had all like the wrist you know back in the eighties. You know, hair bands. Oh, yeah, that was the bandanas. Thing. Yeah. yeah, they had them all up there, all up their arms and around their head, and you name it. They were really cool when you were twelve years old watching wrestling. But uh, right. anyway, hey, welcome, folks. Today's supply chain buzz, not wrestling buzz, supply chain buzz. We're going to be tackling some leading stories across global business. So buckle up and get ready because we want to hear from you too. So uh, we're going to say hello to a few folks here momentarily, Greg, but tell us, uh, before we get started, you're in Kansas City, right? Correct. What's the weather like? Correct. What you know? What's the game? Tee it up for us. Yeah, well, it's a little bit rainy. I'm looking out here. It's a little bit rainy uh, till about 2 o'clock. It's 44 degrees, feels like 40, which reminds you quickly when you're from Atlanta what winter feels like. I mean, I know I'm going to uh, – I just can't wait for Gary Smith or somebody from upstate New York, Bobby Holland from U.S. Bank, right, to say uh, you got, you don't know what winter is. But uh, I feel like I will after being out in it, uh, you know, 40 to 37 or whatever it's going to get to tonight for probably five and a half hours or so. So, um, yeah, but it, it, it's actually pretty nice here. The leaves are changing. Um, it's pretty good. But it is kind of a reminder of one of the – soon to be coming common disruptions of supply chain, which is the weather, right? I've had a few snowstorms in, you know, in the West and Northeast a little bit already. Um, they're predicting snow in just North of Kansas city in the next day or so light snow, I'm sure. But it, you know, it's just when you thought we were out, Scott, they pull us back in. <laughs> um, they do. You're absolutely right. Well, good luck with Kansas City taking on the yeah, Giants here tonight. Let's, you know, I'm gonna flip the script a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and say hello to a few folks. We've got Peter Bolay all night and all day with us. He says good afternoon, good Monday afternoon, day after scary Hallows night. Certainly on the Braves front, and of course Halloween. Yeah, we, we can't. Yeah, and Halloween. Greg, we can't talk about the Braves game today, right? I can't. It's too soon, Scott. I, there's nothing. I mean, there, let's talk about it to this extent. There's nothing like. A grand slam in the first inning of a game. And I literally thought the game was over. I thought, no way, they come back from that. They just got crushed in the previous game. 
Houston. No way Houston comes back from that, but they came back with a vengeance. Anyway, they yeah, did. let's move on. It, but it, you know what? There was a little bit of relief here in KC because it was also Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. And not only did we get to see people out in their costumes, but um, I'm here with one of my previous co two of my previous co-founders uh, from Blue Ridge, just a, kind of a celebratory after we sold the company. And um, I was regaled with stories about one of my co-founders whose father is a Baptist preacher. So they didn't really, they didn't, and, and from Andy's from the Bahamas. So they didn't really celebrate Halloween. And his wife is Haitian and is like totally against voodoo. So, and she feels like, you know, there's a lot of that kind of bad juju around Halloween. So their kids have never, their kids now 25 and 23 have never gone trick or treating. Mm. So, and I know you're, I don't think you're a huge fan of Halloween, <laughs> I right? Just, I mean, not against it or anything, but it's not like your favorite holiday, right? I was just saying that sounds like a, a wonderful upbringing, Greg, a wonderful upbringing. <laughs> but so really quick folks, um, I gave, I offered our kids a little, little mon- monetary deal if they stayed home and gave out candy versus going trick or treating, we couldn't close the deal. But uh, anyway, really, yeah, they're they're tough negotiators, Greg. So <laughs> that, that we know. That's right. Right. Hey, let's say hello to and judges. They're tough judges of Chile. Really also. tough judges. Wow. Uh, Shashi, great to see you here via LinkedIn. And by the way, Peter, thanks for stopping in. As always, we can't do a buzz yeah. without you. Um, Sushil is tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to have you back, Sushil. Neha is with us uh, via LinkedIn as well. Great to see you, Neha. Uh, let's see here. Chiku from Arizona via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Great to have you here today. Hey, Gene Pledger Gregory from uh, Northern Alabama is with us here. Yeah. You, you think he's a Todd fan? I think so. I don't know. Gene, let us know if you're roll, rolling uh, a, a Crimson Todd fan. Uh, but I think that I think that matchup, by the way, the Georgia-Alabama SEC championship matchup, I think it's already locked up. Is that right? It, I think, Did I hear that right? I think you might be right. That's going to be a great – I know that Georgia is definitely in. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know about Bama yet. So We'll see. Raman is tuned in from LinkedIn. Winners are coming. You're, you're right, whether we like it or not. <laughs> Speaking of Gary <laughs> – Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of Gary Smith, he's here. Live, yeah. in person. We'll have to ask him about that fierce New York winter. So, Gary, let us know yeah, what the weather let's looks like. Let's hope he tuned in after I was complaining about cold weather <laughs> right. when it's above zero. Right. <laughs> Big show. Bob Bova is back once again. Now, he's oh, out in California, I believe, Greg. So, I bet the weather is really nice out there. And he's a Giants fan. They got a bunch of rain. Um, and, you know, because they had a big storm come ashore, which I think actually helped because their reservoirs in California were down to like 26%. Wow. I mean, you could see the part of lakes that was un- has been underwater for decades, hmm. frankly. So it was very strange, but I think that helped some. Well, and of course, it also helped with skiing, right. which I heard from, from a listener who is a, a ski buff. Awesome. Love it. Uh, Jose, and so great to have you here, Bob. Uh, Jose, he's also a Giants fan. we got some Giants fans here tuning in. Greg. We've got uh, Jennifer uh, from Memphis, one of the barbecue capitals of the world, tuned mm-hmm. in via LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh. And blues music. <laughs> that's right. Akbar, 
Man, you're breaking my heart. Go Astros, he says. Hello from Houston, and let's talk tariffs. <laughs> and one final one. So, Corinne Joseph. Do you think we could put a tariff on the Astros? I love that idea. I love that idea, Akbar. Let's see if we can do that. Yeah. Uh, um, how about a tariff on really bad home plate uh, umpires? That's what we should tar- wow. tax. But yeah. we'll set that aside. Hey, Corinne, great to see you here today, host of Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast. And she says, Bama has to get through Auburn still, Greg. And, you know, that's no small task. It, it, in any year, it's no small task because that is a hate game. And hate can fuel a lot of surprises in a football game, like the Michigan-Michigan State game this weekend, wherein Michigan scored 21 points in two minutes and 35 seconds. Wow. And still lost the game. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Great to see you here, Corinne. Delano, good morning, guys, from beautiful Southern California. Happy November 2021. Can't believe it's already here. That makes three of us. That's no lie. Yeah, that is no lie. Kelly Gray. Sunny Phoenix, Arizona, V. Linkton. Great to see you, Kelly, and welcome. To <laughs> Phoenix everyone. only has two. Yeah, <laughs> Phoenix only has two two uh, weather forecasts. It's sunny in seventy something, or it's sunny in hundred and twenty something. It seems like. Hmm. So, but it's always sunny. <laughs> two gears, two gears, two two toggles. Well, welcome everybody. And I gotta throw this one more comment here. Bob says, "You mean the Houston Asterix?" <laughs> Ooh, Bob, <laughs> bringing it today. Hey, love that <laughs> truth. All right. Well, Greg, let's. Uh, it's just you and me today, and and, and I yeah. say just, but we don't have any. That's enough, any, isn't it's it? plenty. Yeah. It's plenty. We got plenty of stuff to walk through. Um, I'm going to tee up our visuals here. We've got a couple of events we want to invite folks to. Starting with yeah. Greg, tomorrow we have got a webinar, a free webinar coming up. We're talking about. CX, customer experience, especially as it's being fueled through visibility, diversification, and agility. Now, uh, not only do we have Nick Endicott with Rate Links uh, joining us, but he's bringing a great friend, Andy Houts with School Specialty, Greg. So I'm excited for yet another great discussion with our friends, right? I always like it. I always love it when we get to talk to a technology provider or a services provider and and a customer who's really getting it done, I think that perspective is so powerful, right? To see how people are competing and thriving or struggling or, you know, meeting the challenges of the day uh, in, in practical terms. I think it, it's fantastic because we talk a lot about what ought to happen, you know, and talk about it kind of ethereally about how it does happen. But but how it's happening for a particular person or company just really drives the point home. So every time we can do that, I love it. Excellent point. Join us tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern time. you got to register, but the link to register is in the show notes. Uh, and then coming up next week, uh, I'll be joined by Laura Ciceri and Dr. Madhav Durba, uh, November 9th, yeah. 12 noon. We're talking about resiliency and agility, Greg. Yeah. Coupa is making some big moves. They just bought, uh, well, not just bought, but recently bought LlamaSoft and have completely expanded their offerings. And, of course, um, big have done some big things over the course of the last couple of quarters. So I think resiliency and agility are something we need particular attention on now. You know, we've done a lot of optimization and a lot of uh, edris paribus, all of the things being equal kind of planning and analysis. And now knowing that all things are never equal, <laughs> we realize that we have to reduce fragility increase agility and resiliency and responsiveness in the supply chain. It's going to be a good discussion. 
Agreed. Uh, and by the way, if you've been watching the World Series, holy cow, Coupa is everywhere. They've really made a splash uh, with their sponsorship throughout the, the, the playoffs, really. Um, so join us for that. November 9th, 12 noon, the link to, to sign up. If it's not in the show notes, Amanda, Jada, or Al, if we drop it in the comments, please. And then, Gregory. So today, mm-hmm. pre-show, we were talking about sandwiches. So on today's episode of This Week in Business History, we dive into some of the business side of the global sandwich industry. A little bit of fast food, a little bit of sandwich. So on that note, so folks, if you like the intersection of business and history, you can find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast. We'd love for you to describe. But um, we're going to be talking, folks, about your favorite sandwiches. We're going to hear from Greg. We're going to hear from folks on the production side, kind of behind the scenes, Allie, Amanda, Jada. And we want to hear about your favorite sandwich and where you get it. So give us about uh, three minutes or four minutes to get through the the next couple of notes. But we want to hear about one of our favorite things, a really good sandwich. Right, Greg? Yeah. And I think what was enlightening and asking people is it's really hard for people to pick one favorite sandwich, (laughs) right? (laughs) Everybody's got seven or eight favorites. So give us one. I'm looking forward to working through that. So also take a listen to our five things you didn't know about the sandwich industry. Now, Greg, one other does thing. Does any of those include who invented the sandwich? It does. We, we touch on that a little bit. Um, you know, the, the third Earl of Sandwich, I believe. Right, Greg? John Montague. John Montague. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do. We do also, you know why he invented it? Do you go into that in the show? Because I don't want to spill it if you a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, he, he liked to gamble, so he he wanted one right. hand on his food and one hand on his cards, perhaps. Um, and it was a particular night when he was winning, and he he didn't want to step away from the table because he was winning. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to get a, a full blown series around sandwiches and Greg White, and and really do it <laughs> well, do it justice. If you watch enough. Um, whatever it is, the national poker tour or whatever. They tell you all those, all the gambling stories. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a lot more there. I feel like you're not telling me, but we're going to dive into it uh, before you know it. I want to give a shout out, Greg, to our dear friends at Azul Arc. Yeah. So we're producing today's show in partnership with our friends at Azul Arc, who built our stunning, yes, stunning new website at supplychainnow.com. Now, Greg, you and I have, have, of course, met with Zaheer and the team, and, and we've even had them on the show. They're leaders yep. in user experience design and development of websites. Right. And Greg, you'll get a kick out of this, custom software applications within the yep. supply chain industry. So big thanks to Zaheer and a talented award-winning team at Azul Arc. You can learn more at azularc.com. But Greg, what's one thing, whether about Zaheer, who is, is – um, Talk about food was here. We could have a whole series there, or about what yeah. his team does from a that UX uh, point of view. What what comes to mind? Well, so I mean, they they start first with a really solid foundation of research of the persona of who will be using the technology. So I've actually talked to them about some technologies that I have about doing UI and UX work for it before. First of all, great team, unbelievably talented, really. Um, all the folks that I've talked to there are really, really strong. You know, here the leader, of course. But, um, but yeah, I think the thing is that they really want to know the type of people, like what what their makeup is, and also how they intend to be using it 
mostly working back from the goals of how they'll use the technology. And I think that is really, really powerful. Um, you know, I'm a strong believer that you build the UI and UX first, and, and then you adapt the technology that underpins that to that. Hmm. Because the worst thing you can have is a really, really good piece of technology that nobody wants to use. <laughs> That's true. Right? I mean, and it happens all the time. Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, great advice. Well, hey, y'all check out azulark.com if you have any needs in mind, especially for the new year. As as we've already celebrated, we're in November already, which is tough to believe. Okay, so Greg, we're going to move. We're going to spend a couple minutes talking sandwiches, right? Because National I Sandwich so. Day is Wednesday, November 3rd. I had no idea they celebrate sandwiches formally um, that requires tuxedos one day a year. And so I, I want to. You got to pick your sandwich carefully on that day. <laughs> right. So, and, and by the way, Sophia, great to have you back. Um, I hope this right. finds you and, and your family well. So, yeah. Greg. You always got to ask, though, when you see Sophia, are you you or are you your sister? Right. Because <laughs> they are twins. That's right. So. Um, all right. So, I want to ask you, Greg, with National Sandwich Day coming up on Wednesday, November 3rd, what is your favorite sandwich? And or where do you get it? This could be as popular and um, insightful as my, you know, what would you do after you made a pile of money landscaping answer. My favorite sandwich <laughs> is egg salad. I love <laughs> egg salad. Unquestionably, head and shoulders above the rest. Next would probably be peanut butter and jelly. And then, the, because when you start a tech con- company, you better like eating peanut butter and jelly. Because um, you're going to eat it for like two years straight. And then, you know, the vast array of sandwiches, which I'm sure we'll hear from the, you know, the crew in the um, upper decks and the club seats today. So, Ooh, club sandwiches. Yeah, that's mine. What about you? What is your favorite sandwich? All right. So, uh, patty melt from Waffle House. It, Ooh, that From Waffle oh, House. Oh, man. With some Tabasco. I've been eating that since, a uh, little less of it, but since high school days, and it's just a thing of beauty. And then, you know, if, if we're opting maybe for a few less calories, uh, a good Italian sub. And uh, Jersey yeah. Mike's is our franchise we like going to. Uh, we like the bread there. Not a big Subway fan, but hometown Aiken, South Carolina, there's a great place called Pat's Sub Shop. They've been around for decades because they get it right. They do it right, and they build it right, and uh, it's delicious. So uh, Patty Melt or an Italian sub. I have a philosophical sandwich question for you, and that is, do you consider a hamburger a sandwich, or is it a burger unto itself? Is it a totally separate category, or is it a sandwich? It, that's an excellent question. Just thinking about that. <laughs> My quick take is since a patty melt, I get it on standard wheat toast. That makes it a sandwich instead of a burger. Okay. But I okay. think a burger is a different category would be my take. Yeah. Now, for th- I, it is funny how a patty melt is a diff- completely different <laughs> definition of food from a hamburger, isn't right. it? Now, Strange. <laughs> for the purpose of that podcast on this week in business history, we kind of took a sandwich, but then an extended view of the food industry. An inclusive yeah, view inclusive. of sandwiches. Very. Right. That's good. All right. So I'm going to uh, really quick, and it looks like we're getting some great sandwich suggestions here we're going to share from around the skyboxes let's see Allie, who's on a production team uh turkey from Publix 
Uh, Amanda, uh, who's also behind the scenes here today, a club sandwich, not from, I mean, just, just any, from anywhere. She also likes making a, a mean club sandwich. And then Jada, Greg, had a couple answers here. So she's yeah. a big Jimmy John's fan, loves the Pepe there at Jimmy John's, or the ham and cheddar at Penn Station, which I think is also a, a chain up maybe in the further up the Atlantic seaboard. Wow. Yeah. Ham and cheddar. I love a hot ham sandwich. Oh, man. Truth. I'm with man. you. So let's let's see. See, here. that's what makes it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially when the cheese is just like flowing and it's just soft and velvety and you got a good piece of ham and good bread because bread is what makes sandwiches. But let's see what Peter says. Have you eaten lunch yet? <laughs> Peter says, have many himself in terms of favorite sandwiches, bacon, grilled cheese, a Reuben, Montreal smoked meat, best in the world. Smoked meat sandwich. Everyone should eat one of those before you die. It is <laughs> unbelievably could. spectacularly delicious. Yes. Wow. Suvlaki egg sandwich, club with meat and a fried egg. List goes on and on. And he also left out the Philly cheesesteak. He loves there that. You go. Uh, yep. Sophia pulled pork sandwich with avocado and spicy barbecue. How about you know, that? Yeah, I, I I think I think a barbecue sandwich is kind of it's kind of one of those fringe categories because you so often eat barbecue not on a sandwich, right? right? But when you do, yeah, I don't I didn't even think of that as a sandwich option. <laughs> uh, but I often eat it. <laughs> Pete smoked meat can't beat Pete's meat is their slogan. Thank thank you, Peter Bole. Uh, Stacy, great to see you here today uh, via LinkedIn. Corinne says Mama Goldberg's Mama's Love Mama's sandwich love. Yeah. with trademark steam bun. Gary likes a homemade pimento cheese with, with ham at home. And from the store, definitely the classic Chick-fil-A sandwich. Okay. Big Show Bob yeah. Bova, Claro's, uh, Claro's, Claro's Italian Deli, a great Grandpa Joe or sausage and peppers, On the Joe, Mortadella, Capricola, Capricola Provolone, Dry Salami, Pepperoncinis. Oh, Bob, you, you got go. me, man. He had you your pepper, pepperoncinis, didn't he? <laughs> That's right. Finally, Felicia, and I wish we could get everybody here. Felicia says, and, and hello, Felicia, from our friends at RLA. My sister in Denver makes the best sandwich. No matter what I do, I can't replicate it. Or maybe it's just better when someone else makes it for you. Basic white bread, turkey cheese, lettuce, tomato, avocado, and bacon. How about that, Greg? Yeah, that does sound good. So I, I think I'm too old to have avocado on every sandwich, but I do frequently. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for everybody sharing. Gosh, we've gotten deep into the show. We still got to get to the news of the day. But hey, we want to hear right. y'all's take on three stories. We're going to be talking about uh, freight. We're going to be talking about uh, a partnership between Saks and GXO. We're going to be talking about Amazon says it's um, it is snarling, snarl proofing its supply chain. More to come on that. And then China's manufacturing activity. Uh, we're going to touch mm -hmm. on all of that and more on today's supply chain buzz. All right. So uh, I'm going to pull this up, Greg, and we're going to walk through. So, so, Greg, as we do once a quarter, we had our friends from U.S. Bank join us uh, yeah. for the 3Q 2021 uh, Freight Payment Index this quarter. And I think the show took place last week, maybe week four. But, Greg, we had – yeah. Uh, Patricia from Mondelez International, who basically leads their North American uh, transportation uh, activities, which, man, I wonder how much sleep she gets at night. But she was a home run guest. And it was really neat to kind of hear the data side from Bobby and then the practitioner side from Patricia. Yeah. 
Um, I, I've got a couple of notes, but Greg, what was uh, what was a key takeaway or two from you when it comes to their freight payment index? Uh, inflation. There aren't enough drivers. There's not enough. Um, you know, the, I mean, the cost of diesel fuel is so very high. Um, I think setting records now since we actually had that had that show with them. Right. There aren't enough trailers, equipment, drivers, um, and and one thing that I saw that was particularly interesting is that I, while there's a lot of latent demand out there, demand is actually the ability to fulfill demand is actually tamping down demand in the marketplace because right. so many people are not even, they're not even issuing for bids because there's no trucks to haul this stuff. So it's a really interesting point where it looks like demand is low. Um, but that's only because so many people are out of the market. Agreed. And, and, uh, a couple of things, and I'll throw this graphic back up here really quick, Greg, everything's up spending and volumes in particular third quarter spending is up 32.6% over third quarter last year. That's the second biggest increase ever, Greg. And if you check it out by region, check out the Western region here when it comes to spend 44% increase in spend 3Q uh, third quarter 2021 over 2020. So no shortage of observations, no shortage of activity and challenges across the North American freight market. Uh, the best thing, perhaps the best news here, Greg, perhaps is you can get the freight payment index for free. If you go to freight.usbank.com. Okay. Yeah. Don't be, don't be surprised by this information next quarter. Right. Right. <laughs> that is right. Um, I got to share. You can get on their mailing list and they'll send it to you and then you can discuss it with us yeah. and our guests. We'd right. love, to, love hear to see you. that. Yeah. We'd love yeah. to have your voice. Your we had some of that. I mean, this time around too, we had several folks who were chiming in on what, what they're seeing, right. Or why they think we're seeing it. Agreed. So I, I love that discussion. I'm with you. So Mohib, man, Mohib's throwing down the gauntlet. He says, Scott, I know you like your food very much, but don't you think it's time to hit the gym as well? Two hours a day will make you look really good with your dashing haircut. Mohib, <laughs> man. What's he saying? <laughs> I love you too, man. I love you. Uh, but I hope this finds you well there in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Allie says, oh, man, my favorite is actually the BLT. How did I forget oh, that? Oh, man. <laughs> There's a great harvest store near our house. They make a fantastic BLT. Ooh. Sounds delicious, especially during the summer with summer tomatoes. T squared, who holds down a fort for us on YouTube, says a Rachel is a damn good one. Just and that's a Reuben with coleslaw instead of sauerkraut. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you had me. You had me at coleslaw. We love our coleslaw around here. Okay, Greg, we got to keep driving. We still got a lot yeah. more information. We haven't even talked about the news yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So to that end. Uh, I want to start uh, news-wise. Saks Fifth Avenue is partnering with GXO on fulfillment to try to keep up mm -hmm. with e-commerce demand, according to this story from Colin Campbell, Colin Campbell maybe, over at Supply Chain Dive. So, Greg, get this. Luxury fashion demand, foreign concept around these parts at least, uh, is, expected to increase <laughs> is expected to increase dramatically over the holidays. Thusly, Saks is partnering with a new GXO logistics fulfillment center in Middletown, Pennsylvania, so it can right. ship directly to customers across the country. In fact, Greg, 70% of that new facility, 70% uh, of inventory is going to be dedicated 
to sacks. Um, your thoughts yeah. here, Greg? Yeah. So I, I uh, posted a little bit about this article and there was some serious interest on this late last week. And GXO, and for anyone who doesn't know, is a spin out of, of XPO. XPO. Sorry. There you go. Because, uh, you know, they've started spinning off business units to try and increase shareholder value. And it's happening instantaneously. But Saks actually started a new business. This is actually a separate business from their regular retail for uh, e-commerce. I'm not sure why that is. I, I think there's a lot of synergies to be gained with it, with it being in the same company. But I think I'm, I was actually really impressed to see a relatively old school, you could argue, right? They're one of the oldest luxury uh, department store brands in the country. Right. Um, to see them kind of tackle this, and particularly for the reason that they did, they want to reduce complexity and risk in their supply chain, right? And not what I noticed right out of the gate was cost was not at the top of their list. I'm right. sure there is huge cost benefit. Cost is just one of the risks of supply chain. It is not one of the goals of supply chain, right? This is a risk balancing exercise. Often you're, you're weighing cost against optimal fulfillment, whatever you want to, whatever that is for you. But I, I was really, uh, really impressed by their approach to this. I think it's a very mature and innovative approach for this, you know, particularly an established retailer like this. Agreed. Now, did you know, Greg, there are there's three towns named Middletown in Pennsylvania. I was trying, I was trying really quick for the show to look up and kind of see, you know, where where did they decide to place this fulfillment center? But uh, we're gonna have to do a little more homework because uh, there was no there were no quick answers. But that's in- really interesting. <laughs> three towns named Middletown, right? Three different. There's a state that has two Springfields. Also, right. I can't remember what state it is, but. Come on, we can't flood the market. Come on, let's let's pick one right. and, and get more creative. But um, interesting to see what Saks uh, Fifth Avenue is doing with GXO, and we will see how these efforts um, play out as we get through the holidays. So moving right along, Greg, I want to talk about um, keeping up with demand. Now, Amazon says it's ready for the supply chain snarls, operative word snarls, that will be coming mm. <laughs> with the holidays ahead. So, and before I, I get, <laughs> I, so look, I tried to find, when I think of the word snarl, what image comes to mind? <laughs> so we're trying to, you know, illustrate these powerful words they put in these headlines. So according to Annie Palmer over at CNBC, Amazon has stated in a blog post that the company is well positioned to quote, get customers what they want when they want it wherever they are this holiday season, end quote. Them's big, big fighting words. But Amazon is also doing what other other retailers are doing, encouraging shoppers to buy earlier for the holidays this year. In fact, I think I saw Amazon talk about um, some uh, Black Friday-ish looking deals already in October, Uh, maybe trying to shift some of that demand. Target and Costco, too. Right. been doing it. Yeah. Amazon says, and I'm going to come get your take here, Greg, uh, including your comments on our, our, our uh, visceral pictures we used for the headline. Uh, Amazon says it has, amongst other things, invested in inventory planning, doubled its shipping container processing capacity, and partnered with more ocean freight carriers. Gregory, are they going to be able to insulate themselves truly from supply chain snarls? 
No. Is there anything else you want me to say? Um, (laughs) Of course, of course they're not. Uh, And of course, this is what they would say. I think if anyone can do it, can be successful, they'll be right at the top. But I think, you know, organizations like Home Depot and Costco and others who've basically chartered their own ships. So they're in charge of whether their goods stay on the ship and that sort of thing. They're in a much, much better position. Now, the other thing that Amazon has going for them is this vast fulfillment and logistics network that they have that is a service to their customers. The other thing that they have going for them is the plausible deniability of being able to say, well, that's not, that outage is not really on us. Right. That's on the, that's on the merchant. That's on the, the provider of those goods, right? That, or that's on the, the seller in the marketplace. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they'll do as well as can be done. But as I was reading through this article and thinking about this, I'm thinking there are so many things that are already out of stock. It's not like, and, and are presumably going to continue to be out of stock. They're not going to overcome that. What they're really talking about is they hope and they believe that they have a strategy to um, not get ensnarled. I think knotted fishing line line, by the way, when I think snarl, that right. kind of snarl, right? <laughs> but um, but not get in, ensnared in, you know, in further supply chain disruptions. And maybe they're able to take enough control of what they've already got in motion or plan to have in motion or probably should already have here on our shores um, that, that they, they feel like they can overcome it. But there are going to be far fewer SKUs, far lesser quantities of, of um, products this holiday season. That's just a fact. Right. And it's, you know, it's impossible to avoid. I mean, the, the ships that have been waiting in the harbors for weeks or now in some cases, 90 days, they were, they were and still are carrying goods for the holidays. Right. So, and we, as we've noted today, Scott, it's now November. So, so it is effectively the holidays. Right. That's right. Hey, folks, let us know what you think is Amazon. How are they going to be able to mitigate or to what extreme and get around some of these challenges. Let us know. You may already be seeing some things uh, play out uh, with Amazon or other e-commerce retailers. I'd say, Greg, you know, we're going to talk about the power of diversification tomorrow with rate links when it comes to managing your supply chain. Um, I think part of the, well, something we've been doing around here, at least as consumers, is diversifying where we place our orders. I probably have used Amazon the least amount in 2021 since I became a, you know, a regular user of Amazon, uh, whether it's books from, you know, Barnes and Noble and some other sources, because really, uh, and, and oftentimes for me, Greg, I don't know what it's like for you, but I, I really, I've tried to embrace the fact and fight against that, that, um, I need it now kind of human element when it comes, it comes, I don't need that book tomorrow. I don't need that book two days from now. And so when you really start to kind of peel that layer of human psychology back, you can really get what you need of a wide variety of places other than Amazon. Well, and the truth is Amazon can't, in a lot of cases, um, they can't meet the two-day delivery thing, even for Prime members, which I am, and I'm sure you are, and millions, hundreds of millions of us right. are. Um, they can't meet that. And, and, you know, it's funny because two realizations. One, my wife told me that coffee, and if your coffee is going up substantially, to give you an idea, I usually buy a six pack of, of coffee beans, unground coffee beans, and they are, well, they were eighty eight dollars for for 
six 2.2 pounds, a thousand kilogram bags. Um, I basically buy a key of coffee, <laughs> um, only coffee. Um, but it was $88 the last time I bought it, right. looked at it this time to buy it, $118. So that is a substantial inflation rate. Uh, there's obviously things going on in Brazil and some of the other producing countries. But I was still able to find uh, coffee that must already be in stock at at closer to my previous price. And I did what I what I call a forward buy, which is really what got me into supply chain hedging, hedging inventory against cost inflation. So I bought like three times as much as I usually do. Really? Did a little quick calculation to determine yeah what I expect the price to go up to. And bought about three times as much as I usually do, um, so that I won't hopefully won't have to buy again until the price goes back down. Wow, man, I love that, Greg. You need to teach some classes around that. Hey, um, I want to add one other note, and Amanda, Jada, Allie, if we can drop this in the comments as we look to diversify our spend and look at other resources. A spousely.com is a great resource. It's a community and marketplace built and comprised of veteran entrepreneurs, military spouse entrepreneurs, and first responder entrepreneurs. And when Greg talked about coffee, uh, we got a big old five-pound bag of coffee from one of the wonderful retailers there at Spousely. So it's a great resource to consider as we get into holiday. I've already been in holiday shopping season. So if we can drop that in the comments there, Amanda, that'd be wonderful. Um, let's see here. Sophia says... Hey, can I point out just one yeah, more please. thing yeah. I, before we get to Sophia? One thing that this really struck me when reading this article is the article referred to Amazon as the retailer, not the marketplace, not um, the tech company or anything that, that when they, when they use that specific term, it made me think that in a lot of ways, Amazon is just another retailer. They really, in so many ways are their vendors in their case, they call them sellers, but their vendors sell goods that they then make sure make it to the consumer, just like Saks Fifth Avenue mm. or just like Target or Walmart or, you know, whoever else. And when you think about it that way, and, you know, Amazon's stock has been wavering, to put it kindly, all year. In fact, it's down over the year uh, for some portion of the year. Um, when you think about it that way, it makes you think because that's a big part of their business and it's also the least profitable part of their business. How much of a drag is this retail on Amazon and how long will they tolerate that? Because clearly they have not fixed the cost benefit scenario in the retail aspect of their business. They make all of their money off of AWS, mm -hmm. Amazon Web Services, hosting servers, right? So I don't know why that just happened to strike me today in thinking about that when they use that <laughs> so intentionally. I'm getting pretty good at that, aren't I? So intentionally, um, in the article, I think it's worth a read. I'd love to get people's perspectives on that. Sorry, let's go back to Sophia. No, I love that. I love that. I love that spin. I think a lot of folks may, you know, a lot of consumers may be looking at Amazon much more transactionally versus kind of that strategic overview of the model that you offered up there, mm. Greg. Sophia says, "I believe that as much as Amazon can hold accountable sellers for delays." or prove they are not responsible for the out-of-stocks, customers will sadly always blame them. The sellers, is that what 
you think that's what she means? Uh, let's see. Yes. Blame the south sellers or Amazon? Because I don't think it's sad at all. Blame Amazon. They're the one taking the responsibility for it. Yeah, but, Sophia, if you can clarify that remark, yeah. that'd be wonderful. Uh, and I'm so glad you're no. here. Uh, Stacy yeah. says, I agree with Greg. Amazon might have strategies in place to make their supply chain better, but to completely avoid the problems they they are already having, they'll take a whole lot of more better management and accountability is what she is saying that Amazon's I, got I to agree with apply. that. Yeah. All right. No doubt. Wonderful. Uh, and then Jose says, Hey, Greg, try Colombian coffee from Coffee Bean. We'll have to check that out. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what the source of the coffee is. I know it's a, it's an Italian brand, I, which I'm not going to name because I don't want you people out there buying it out from under. <laughs> <laughs> but but, um, but um, I think some of the beans are sourced from Africa and some are sourced from Colombia. I'll have to look look that again. Wonderful. We love our but coffee. But yes, Colombian coffee is spectacular, right? I mean, It really is. Yeah. Um, Enrique and the team at Vector Global Logistics have done a couple of different episodes um, of Logistics with Purpose where they talk about not just Colombian coffee, but fair trade Colombian coffee, where the growers are part of the co-op and are appropriately compensated for their, um, you know, for their wares. So yay, Colombia. Yep. Yay to these cooperatives, right? Uh, quick trivia question. So Greg, Brazil leads the world, in, at least in terms of 2020 production for coffee. Do you know the name of the country that ranks second as of 2020 production? Ethiopia? No. That's a, that's a good guess. Vietnam. Can you really? Believe, yeah. Can you believe that? Um, and, and I got wow. that little nugget from a great site called visualcapitalist.com. I mean, if we can drop that in the notes. That's a, that's a, if you like infographics and like really interesting infographics that's really data-driven, check out visualcapitalist.com. Vietnam. Yeah, that really surprised me. That's crazy. I, I would never guess that. Yep. Wow. Uh, let's see. Sophia does clarify. Uh, she's talking about sellers get sellers blamed. Sellers will yeah. get blamed. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's, that's exactly what Amazon wants. Right. Uh, right. Let's see here. And and to, to the previous comment, that's where they need to take accountability. They are almost fully responsible for not only the sourcing or not only the fulfillment, but also the sourcing uh, logistics for a lot of those sellers as yep. well. So. So Shashi was on the money. Man, he knows his coffee. I love that, Shashi. Yeah. And he also said, Amazon not responsible for out of stock. How would they manage accountability? Interesting. Marketing. <laughs> right. Everything. They have a grand voice. They have a great, great voice, right? They have the bully pulpit. So They do. And you see, Greg, they've been investing in some of these uh, commercials, these campaigns, that talks about how it, you know, it counters the news narrative out there in terms of how it treats uh, the company treats its workers. Have you seen right. these commercials? Yeah, the 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 Filipino guy who, um, yeah, who's become a nurse thanks to them, right? Yeah, I mean, good on them for doing that. I don't know if that's the exception or the rule, but certainly good on them for that. And for anyone who speaks Tagalo, I'd love to know what he says in the last part of that commercial. You know the commercial I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So he talks about his, he talks about the whole story, and then he says something in Tagalog, the Philippine language, and but I don't speak it, so I don't know what he's saying. That is a great. Do you happen to know it? No, <laughs> I can barely speak English. Um, I struggle with that <laughs> enough. Um, 
But Greg, you know, you don't miss a thing. We'll see if someone knows uh, exactly what he says there towards the end of that commercial. I don't, I don't think I've picked up on that. But uh, hey, you gotta give Amazon credit. I, I do. You know, I, I love to see a really good, meaningful story, even if it is perhaps the exception versus the rule. Uh, yeah. Good on the company for doing what they did uh, on that story. Yeah. All right, got to start somewhere. Right? Got to start somewhere. <laughs> That's a good. Good point. All right. So finally, as we approach, gosh, we're on, we're about quarter till top of the hour. And we got so much more fun to have, Greg. Uh, a lot of a lot of good folks in the skyboxes here today. So, according to Jonathan Chang over at the Wall Street Journal, China's manufacturing activity has contracted for the second consecutive month. October's numbers showed a bigger contraction than September, and the overall manufacturing index for China showed the lowest reading since February 2020. Now, it's a great article. Y'all can check it out via the Wall Street Journal. We can't do it fully justice here kind of walks into a variety of different uh, of different uh, factors that are kind of colliding and intersecting. But a couple of them, they pointed out weak domestic demand related to mm-hmm. um, uh, a, lot, a variety of factors, including tightening regulation, especially when it comes up to uh, property management and whatnot, investment. And also, you know, they've had uh, isolated breakouts of COVID. So all that has, and other things have helped to weaken domestic demand, but also, the widespread power shortage, which some are calling China's worst energy crisis in decades. Yeah. So, Greg, it is. some of your thoughts. Yeah, it is definitely that. I mean, and they have a very, very dangerous combination. They are already in a state of economy that, for those of you who haven't heard it called this before, it's called stagflation, where demand is flat or, or declining, and yet prices are still rising. Their, uh, their PMI, their Producers Management Index and, and uh, Consumer Pricing Index are both on the uptick big time because the energy scarcity um, you know, causes a, an increase in pricing. Um, the pricing of raw materials is, is well above. They, you know, the article mentions an index um, of the pricing of raw materials, and that is way up way up um and you know there's just a lot going on so they are really really struggling as an economy and their bank their their uh, central bank is disinclined to start to kind of manipulate the money supply or anything like that interest rates to try and stimulate the economy so that you know we'll have to see what's happened but they are already according to some analysts in in a state of stagflation. And it's probably a precursor for the, you're not going to want to hear this, Scott. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll spin it positive somehow. That's probably a precursor for what's going to go on in the rest of the world as well as, um, you know, as increasing pricing starts to drive down demand in the marketplace. Um, we're going to start to see a lot of stagflation and possibly even recession around the world. I only say that because it's better to be informed and prepared than surprised and, Broke. Well, uh, I hope you're absolutely a hundred percent wrong, but I'm. A- so do I. Good point. That's an excellent point. I hope I'm a hundred percent wrong. But I've learned, as I've learned, don't bet against Greg White. Uh, he knows what he's talking about all too often. Um, you know, something. Well, else and like- it also, just to be clear, Scott, it also doesn't mean it's imminent in other parts of the world, right? Right. But I mean, let's face it. China, as goes the world these days, or as goes China these days, so goes the world in a lot of cases. So I still think that, that, you know, the way that their government 
manages and manipulates their their economy and their industries because they're all owned by the state, of course, in some form or fashion. Um, that the, they do have a unique set of circumstances, or so there is a chance that it doesn't impact the whole world. Right. Um, well, we will keep our finger on the pulse for sure. Wide ranging uh, episode of the buzz, and again, this last article that we've been pointing to. Uh, you can find in uh, the Wall Street Journal, and, and that was uh, uh, written by Jonathan Chang. So good stuff there. Good reporting. Um, okay, so Gregory, uh, it got about ten till. Man, we got through that a little bit faster than I thought we would. Um, Impossible, let's see. right? Yeah. <laughs> Impossible. So um, you're in Kansas City. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, for a couple days here. Is there one legendary um, – uh, restaurant that you definitely each trip into Kansas City when you go to the you know football games you hit up every single time. Yes, uh, there is the Arthur Bryant's is is a place that I always go. It's old school Kansas City barbecue. Um, it's in a part of town where, by the way, you can make a study of logistics because that part of town has kind of transitioned over the years, and there are just a ton of. Of course, there's a ton of trucking in Kansas City. There's there's a bunch of uh, logistics yards and truck yards uh, right around the place. So you have to be very judicious about what time of day you go to eat there because you could get behind a, a couple hundred truck drivers and spend a lot of time in line. But that's great. Uh, Majestic, which is a, possibly the best steakhouse in America. Um, and yes, I have eaten at Peter Luger's, Gary Smith. So... <laughs> I'll stand by that, that opinion. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's good. And and always, if there is a, a new but reputable barbecue joint, um, Q39 is another one, one of the newer, newer-ish ones, at least to me. Um, and that was spectacularly delicious. And KC Joe's, um, I, I'm a particular fan of KC Joe's because I like the way they pull the smoke into and through the, the food. Love it. I love it. Um, so, gosh, we, could, we, we need to talk a lot more food around here. Maybe we don't need to talk a lot more food around here. I Maybe not. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mohib's already encouraging me <laughs> to go hit the gym. Yeah. Maybe we talk too much food. But, hey. I food. think you look pretty good, by the way, in your new swag. <laughs> look at that, Scott. Yeah. I love that quarter zip, man. That is very styling. We got mo- more. So I'm surprised nobody nobody commented on that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it looks fantastic. Well, we got um, we got a lot more coming. We're hitting a few supply yeah. chain snarls, as you might imagine there, Greg. Um, but, hey, nobody <laughs> is immune these days. Nobody <laughs> is immune. Um, I want to wrap on one thing that we don't talk enough about, folks. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a wide variety of ways you can engage with what we do here at supply chain now. And, and by the way, your engagement is the best part of this journey. We're on really enjoy hearing from all of you. Um, Amanda and Allie and Jada, really the whole team here, um, produces a weekly e-newsletter and yeah, there's plenty of them, but we have really been reinventing how we do it. It's called the voice, right? After the voice of supply chain, it drops every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give Amanda a chance to uh, find the link and drop it in the comments because I want to pose a challenge out there to, to folks. Um, so if we can drop that uh, link in the chat. And by the way, Jennifer says, I'll weigh in when you come to Memphis if you don't have a favorite barbecue joint. Oh, Jennifer, you can't mention that and not 
come on, uh, you got to let us know your favorite uh, barbecue. Yeah, actually, I have been to Memphis, um, and I have to confess, I wrote it down, so I didn't commit it to memory. But there are a couple of pretty good places. There's one, I think, Grand Concourse, which is really famous. I'm not sure. Mm. That's not. That's a good one. It's not at the top of my list. I cannot remember what it. It's somebody's name or nickname or something. I want to say Corky's. Embarrassing. Corky's. That's, is that it? Is it Corky's? Jennifer, let us know, know. If Corky's is in. I know you can't leave the place without smelling like you've been barbecued, <laughs> right? Which I love. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, back to so uh, weekly newsletter, um, chock full of not just our stuff, uh, headlines, some humor, uh, some giveaways, you name it. But sign up for the voice link is right there. And I'm going to uh, sweeten the deal a bit. So um, mm. for the next three subscribers that uh, subscribe to the newsletter, but then also let us know and whether you send us a note on social or you can shoot an email over to Amanda at supplychainnow.com. We're going to send you some goodies. We're going to send you some goodies. Uh, it may be Allie's chili recipe. It might be Allie's championship winning <laughs> That's chili right. recipe. We'll make it worth your while. So if you, if you, the first three folks that subscribe and shoot us a note, uh, we want to send you something good. And by the way, Jennifer says Corky's is good for a chain. Oh man, we there said you the, go. We said the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the place is called. Oh, Rendezvous. Is that it? That's, that is a really good one. Yes. Uh, that's it. That's and it's not Grand Concourse. I'm not thinking about it. There's one that's in a train station or something like that. Hmm. I can't remember. We, but Rendezvous. Whew, <laughs> that is. Kevin L. Jackson popping in. Uh, happy hey, November. Just Greg. a wishes happy November. I'm glad you made it home safe. It's well, good to see you on Friday. It was great to see you, Kevin, as you yeah. came into Atlanta for our uh, Atlanta Hot Chili Championship cook-off, which Allie won. And, you know, of course, uh, Kevin leads our Digital Transformer Series and many other things across uh, global business. So great to see you here, Kevin. Uh, thank you, Bob. The voice, I think uh, Amanda or Allie or Jada came up with that, so I appreciate that. Eric, Germantown Commissary, one of my favorite places in Memphis. The Commissary, that's right. How about that's that? that? I, uh, yeah. Now Jennifer responded, Memphis Barbecue Company. You got to get the barbecue nachos there or Central Barbecue. It all sounds okay. good to me, Jennifer. Um, yeah. Rendezvous is touristy, she says, but has amazing barbecue shrimp. <laughs> Stacy, right. I think that may be the one. Yeah, I know, Scott. We got to wrap this up. Yeah, I Stacy, hey, I want them goodies, she says. Hey, we'll make sure you sign up. Make sure you let us know. And uh, thanks for everybody being here today. We had a lot of fun talking sandwiches, talking Kansas City, and a little bit of football, a little bit of baseball, not much baseball, a little bit of football. Mm. We'll see what happens in the next two, next two games between the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Asterix, according to Big Show Bob Boba. Mm. Just kidding. That, okay. was, that, that was Bob that said that. I love it. Um, Well-deserved. Well-deserved, and a lot of other things taking place across global supply chain. Folks, yeah. hey, make sure you sign up for The Voice. Make sure you let us know so we you can uh, be part of the uh, very rough informal drawing. Best wishes, Greg. Safe travels to you and the contingent, the delegation yes. out there in Kansas City. Have a Yeah, thank you. I think we're going to have a good time. So. Have a wonderful time. Hope you win the game tonight against the Giants. And folks, most importantly, beyond football and sports and anything else, do good, give forward, 
be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.